This is Talkin' Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talkin' Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Blacktail Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. Hi, this is Jody Stemmler, and we are talking Mule Deer at the 2019 Western Hunting and Conservation Expo. And I'm Steve Belinda, Jody's co-host, and we are talking to someone now that I'm just going to say he's a muley slayer. You know, <laughs> well, well, that's right because yeah. he is the, the muley slayer. slayer. <laughs> We've got Mark Smith with us today. Mark, hello, welcome to joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on here, Jody. Thanks for having me on, guys. Welcome, Mark. So, uh, how did you get Muley Slayer yeah, well, that, handle? It's awesome. Uh, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a funny story. I uh, I was living in the Four Corners area of New Mexico, and uh, now, before you go, for, did you ever go down to the to the uh, to the monument and, and have your your all body four? in all four corners? I I have that photo, <laughs> but I'm fully clothed. But I do have that. Photo. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not all right. Good, like, Sorry to interrupt. But, you no, know. no, no. I did all both hands and both feet, four states all at once. <laughs> uh, but when I lived there, I shot for a. I was a. I was a co-op archery shooter for the local archery store there, where I would shoot competitive archery, and then I kept pinning my pictures of my kills up on the kill board there in the archery shop, and I'd walk in and say, "Hey, Slayer," and "Hey, what's going on?" And then it turned into. That guy's a muley slaying machine, and it just got said enough times that one day I was just sitting on the edge of my bed when social media started. I said, "I'm gonna start a, I'm gonna start a Facebook page called Muley Slayer. Just see what happens." Took off. It was huge. People Boom, loved it. Cool. Then, they, then people wanted hats and shirts, and I made shirts thinking I was gonna get rich. But it turns out, all my buddies wanted T-shirts, and I don't, <laughs> I, I can't charge for them. So I, I made five hundred dollars worth of T-shirts and gave them all away, and <laughs> said, "Well, next time I'll make money." And I'll have someone sell them for me next time. But they were a big hit, and it was a great logo. I had a design made, and so I had a branding. But uh, I went and bought the trade name, and now my social media uh, is my biggest. You know, I'm not a TV guy. I write freelance uh, yep. writer. Well, and you I, write in our magazine, I so write. most of the MDF members yeah, have yes, probably right. seen Mark's Every articles. issue, pretty yep. much, when I'm on time, gets an MDF. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when JR They come in late a few down. times, I know. Yeah, I, I hate that. <laughs> That's all right. It happens tough tough we gig when you're not a real pro well right? so. and the fact is that we want our most of our articles while you're at hunting right yeah. so <laughs> right right and that's when all my passion burns when i'm hunting then i come home and try to remember all those thoughts and then i have to write it down and get articles out but that's how it got started and uh and so uh this is my ninth year here it's your ninth year at the my hunt ninth expo. year at the hunt expo so how has it changed since uh since you started with mdf with we're, you know, coming to the Hunt Expo. It is amazing what I've seen here. The growth, um, the organizations, the way they've come together, the growth of this show, the crowd that it brings in from how far people come. There was I was just doing a seminar. A guy from Indiana came. Wow. Like, hey, a guy from Indiana came here to this show. Uh, folks, just for the show. Folks yeah. were in my Uber ride over yesterday from Oregon. Oh, man. So, you know, there's folks coming from all over. What was your seminar on this year? Mule deer. Uh public land my seminars are always about mule deer hunting and some years they'll be specific to tracking mule deer with a rifle but primarily uh, I do public land backcountry bow hunts and that's what most of my writing and articles are about and my seminars from prep to yeah to where to go tag, from tag strategy to science behind mule deer to equipment choices just those kinds of things, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, uh, we were going to get into what you talked about in your seminar today. What were some, you, it was the, mainly the public land hunting. So yeah. it was, how do you put into your tags? Tell to, us some of your tips. Uh, today was uh, 
bow hunting mule deer, public land strategies. And then the, the kind of the theme was, this year's theme was narrowing it down. Whereas we with cyber scouting and uh, Google Earth and all of the great resources we have from all the organizations that have, uh, you know, where you get your tag strategies and just all the scouting things that we have out there through the magazines and services, nothing replaces boot leather on a mountain. Right. You're just going to have to. And I hunted in my 2018 season, I hunted an area in a state that I'd hunted before years ago. And when I got there, um, things had changed. The game wasn't where the, the mule deer were not where they typically had been. There was uh, mismanagement of mountain lines had decimated the mule deer herd in certain areas. So it caused me to have to change my tactics on the fly, ask locals. I mean, I just literally had to go into camps and ask what elevation are you hunting at? Yeah. And, and then I went down and found a successful hunter at a gas station with a nice four point mule deer buck in the back of his truck. And I just flat out asked him, I don't want to know your hunting spot. I mean, obviously I want to know your hunting spot, right. <laughs> but because uh, to save us face, both of us, uh, I'm not going to ask you where you kill the buck, but can you tell me what elevation you were at? What food source were you keyed right. in on? And it turned out there was a great acorn mass that year because there was no late spring freeze. They were down low. Yeah, and the, the acorns were huge. And everywhere I found big acorns, I found lots of bears, lots of turkeys, and lots of bucks. Yeah. And that's how I keyed in on killing my buck this year and just took that hunting story a little bit of science behind it and tra put that all into my seminar. And I think that was a story in the latest MDF magazine as well. It was. Yeah, that's a good story. And, and it's important to recognize that they are creatures of habit. There's a lot of things that they do, but, but there's a lot of variables that can come into play. Acorn mast, who would have thought? But there's also variables about changing habitat with encroaching juniper or, or, or habitat or getting pushed out of a place that they were typically. So every year is going to be different. Right. And picking up those those tactics from somebody else or, or gleaning it from there. You, you well, having the, the, I'll call it humility to understand that all that prep work and all your knowledge may not what needs to be done today to harvest or to find animals right. it's pretty important because we see so many people that hunt particularly people that have hunted whitetail deer yeah they hunt the same spot the same way you see that in a lot of western places and you know if they don't see animals they may blame it on you know having low deer numbers but they just may be in a different spot right and on, on years that you have like an acorn mast that is a concentration of game you're going to find them the same animals live there but when the food sources disperse, like maybe it's antelope bitter brush, or maybe in the high country like where I like to hunt in Colorado above Timberline, it's the willows or uh, mountain mahogany. You know, they're trying to eat all of that. Uh, they're trying to just really absorb all that high protein preparing for the fall. Well, willow patches in the high country can expand for hundreds of acres. And so you glass all that, and you might find one patch of bucks. But then on years that say maybe there was a – Another food, let's just use the acorns down a little lower. Man, that is an easy, preferred, delicious, high-protein mm -hmm. source that, man, the animals really concentrate. And I think you've got to count your lucky stars on years you have those yeah. those types of uh, those things happen. You know, you get to key in on them because literally when, my, when we found out, hey, go find the acorns, you're going to find the deer. It was comical because my wife and I were in her Jeep, and we're cruising along Forest Service roads, getting back in some canyons. And it's like a scene out of Disney. We pull around the corner, and there's this gigantic black bear just laying under oak brush like he's popping Skittles in his mouth, like, <laughs> like Baloo. He's just over there eating acorns, just laying there, and there's turkeys all around him eating, and then the deer. And there was a, a really, really big forked horn buck in there with him, right with the deer and the bears. And uh, 
man, my pulse came up, and my wife's like, "What are you, what are you thinking?" I'm like, "Man, that's a nice deer." She's like, "That, you know, that's not the deer we came for." So I'll say this, and I said it in the seminar: don't don't change the goal, just change the strategy to get what you. The the plan wasn't to come here and shoot a two year old buck. Right. The plan was to come shoot a mature deer. But uh, when you don't see a lot of deer, then all of a sudden you see a deer, you're like, oh, I'm happy with that one. And if you're strictly a meat hunter and that's where you're at, great, good for you. But if you've shot a few and you're looking to challenge yourself, especially with a bow, you know, I was looking for that next right. level. It was just a four by three, but it was a five and a half year old buck. It was a nice 27 inch four point, you know. So and that was Colorado this year? It was, actually, that was on the Navajo Indian Reservation oh, in Arizona. It's a general hunt. You don't have to have a guide. Okay. And it's a general draw. It's a $400 tag, but it's a really. It's a it's kind of a secret. It's, the secret's out, but it's it's just not. There's only three non-Navajo tags per unit in like five units. Okay. So it's not like a huge. And I only applied because I didn't draw anywhere else because of the shrinking opportunity. You know. So you mentioned something earlier. I want you to. I want your opinion on it. You talked about cyber scouting and all the information at our fingertips. How has that changed the game? It's made uh, a lot. It's made the research piece a lot easier for the modern day hunter where and i've just talked about this on other podcasts and in articles and seminars i was a guy that would get the pope and young record books look for the amount of entries do the mean median mode find the most entries per county go to a map find that county and key in on what i would think would hold deer then i would plan a vacation and drive there and go look there i can do the exact same thing today by just looking at several websites that have draw odds. Draw odds will tell you everything you need to know about a unit, mm-hmm. whether you want to go hunt there or not. If it's harder to get, it's better to go. And then go look at Google Earth, identify food sources and water above timberline, boom, you're, you're hunting Wyoming, you're hunting Idaho, you're hunting. So easy. I can figure out in 30 minutes what it might have took me three months to figure out in the 80s, right. 90s. And, you know, we're seeing a huge increase in demand. Yes. In our western states. And I, I attribute it to what you just described. It's easier to plan a hunt, to scout a hunt, and to be knowledgeable about an area to a lot more people now. Yes. And the convenience factor to get here to be successful uh, is driving applications for limited tags in our western states. Our, sh- our so. resource is not expanding. Mm-hmm. Our resource is not growing. That's why we're here today. That's what we're building on. That's what we're trying to ensure that our grandkids have these beautiful animals to hunt. But we all still want to do it. That's why I've gotten very selective in the animals that I shoot. Anything that I harvest, it, it, it had to have served its purpose. It's had to bred some does. It needed to be around a while. I feel like it's a challenge, and I'll shoot it. Otherwise, I'm not going to. And I realize not everybody's to that level. That's where I'm at. I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm not looking for a particular score, per se. But if he's like me, middle-aged, got a big belly, kind of gray, <laughs> looks good, I want to shoot that one. I yeah. like that one, right? And that's where I'm at. Uh, but the, the resource definitely is not growing. And, and I, I'm not a naysayer. I don't want to say, man, mule deer are doomed. Mule deer aren't thriving like a lot. But they are doing good in the areas where we, as conservationists, as Mule Deer Foundation, Sportsman for Wildlife, have a presence. They're doing okay. Thank God they have us, though, just to be honest with you. So you, you are a, a pretty, I mean, you are a huge supporter of MDF. You come here every year. You write about why. I mean, you kind of are telling me. Yeah. But tell I'm them why, why people who are listening and can carry just, that off to their friends. You know, I think everybody has something that's their passion. Everybody in life has something that's their passion. It just happens to be mule deer are my passion. Not big bucks, not bow hunting them or rifle hunting them. 
everything that encompasses a mule deer's very existence on this planet is something I find in this giant universe, there's this one little blip, this one little thing in this universe that's a mule deer, and there's nothing else like it. Where elk have the red stag, whitetail have the coos deer, and we have different varieties of things. I guess the same could be saying the same thing could be said for an American antelope, the pronghorn. It's a different animal. There's Absolutely. nothing like it. The the blacktails kind of, but but when it when you come right down to and you really study a mule deer, there's nothing else like them. And they, they're not susceptible to calls, and they're not easily decoyed in, and they're not, they're just not, you know, they're just not elk, and they're just not whitetails. They're not the most popular thing in the world. They are growing in popularity, I believe, because of great folks like uh, Jason Matzinger, Project Mule Deer, this organization, myself included in that. Everybody in this room, we are making the mule deer more popular, but for a long time, Elk hunters would buy a deer tag to have in their pocket to go grab their meat, and they'd go hunt a big bull. But if I see a nice buck, I'll shoot it, put it in the freezer. They weren't the focal point. Now we've brought the mule deer to the forefront because of our passion for this beautiful thing, and it has become the icon of the West. So yeah. to answer that is, I don't know where I was going with that. But well, just, your connection to the Mule Deer Foundation. I'm just connected yeah. to mule deer. Then when... And, and because of our friend Ray Crow, in another life, back when he was with a muzzleloader company, we became friends. And he knew I was a speaker and a writer. And he's like, hey, I'd like to give you a platform. You're, you're, I like the, what you're about. I like what you're about and what you do. Would you like to come talk mule deer at our thing? That was nine years ago, 2011. And I remember being in the Sitka booth right over there. And, um, now I'm just, I'm not, you know, I have a lot of industry friends and sponsors, but it's not even about any of that stuff. The celebrity is just, I love to come here. And get an hour on that stage to tell people how much I love a mule deer and how much I believe they should love mule deer. And let's all and, and to be a more ethical, better hunter of mule deer. I've really focused on that part of it. Um, I told I had a piece with Jr. last year and, and Jason shooting some promo stuff. And in that promo, I said at 26, I want to know everything I could about how to get a big mule deer on the ground. Now at 46, I'm 48 now, then I was 46, I said everything I do is how to have a mule deer survive, how to have a mule deer. When I was 26, it was how to kill a mule deer. At 46, how can I save a mule deer? What can I do to have them? So, yeah, I'm passionate about it, and I, I can get choked up talking about them because that's my thing. That's yeah. my gig, right? That's what I love. And I'm, I know other guys have their animal, but that's that's my thing, man. So You're the muley slayer. Yeah, I love them, and my name's not about <laughs> Some people are like, man, for a guy that's a, as, uh, as uh, into conservation and, and tout conservation as much as you do, isn't that a contrasting name? I'm like, you know, it's kind of like Dragon Slayer. You know, you, you kind of want to be this this guy that's the I, I am the Muley Slayer, but even like a Dragon Slayer respected his his yeah. adversary, right? You know, like it was something to behold, and that's kind of how I, I feel about mule deers. Yeah, I'm out to get them, but I'm not angry at them, and I want to <laughs> save them, and I want to have them, but it's not about blood sport with me. It's about well, conservation. It, we're, we can no longer ignore things that we care about. Yes. And people like you, organizations like this, and dedicated individuals have to take up the cause. Yes. They have to get involved. They have to care about it. Now we, you know, hunters are extremely conflicted when you kill something that you love. Yes. But we're, we cannot separate the fact that we are the ones that love it. We are the ones that are going to go out of our way to take care of it. Mule deer is a year-round thing for you. It's a lifetime thing for you. It's not just something you do for a few weeks in the fall. Yes. You see that in 
the Mule Deer Foundation members, in the people that work for the organization, in the conservation professionals that are involved with other organizations. And if we don't do that, we will not be able to sustain these things that we love. Absolutely. Particularly with 320 plus million people on this continent, 7 billion people you know, worldwide, it's going to get harder and harder. And they're not making any more land. Right. And we're throwing all sorts of difficulties and challenges at our habitats and our animals. It's going to take our intervention and our collective wisdom to get involved. And in our passion and yeah, commitment. Yes. To put Absolutely. back. So. Right. Well, I just want to say on that note, too, uh, I'm very picky about who I associate myself with. You have to be these days, right? And uh, Mule Deer Foundation is, is, is an organization that I'm not... I'm a member, I'm a proud member, I'm a lifetime member. And I'm, I, I, that's in my, I mean, I put that in my bio. That's, I mean, I'm a lifetime, I'm this, I'm, I'm a father, I'm a, first of all, I'm a Christian, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a grandpa, but I'm a life member of the Mule Deer Foundation. And what I think a lot of people miss when they come to this show is they're here for the trendiness of certain things. They're the trendy shirts and hats, the things that, you know, there's things in here that people need to come by and that's good, that's good for all of us. But what you spend on a T-shirt and a hat at this show, it, you can spend less than that and be a member of this organization. When you walk past, you have to walk past this booth when you come in the door to go buy all those other things. Yeah. All I ask people is be cognizant with your money and drop that first 35 off at Mule Deer Foundation. Let's just get them paid up front. <laughs> it's like pay yourself. I get paid every Friday, every other Friday at work, right? Since I was 18 years old, pay yourself first. The first person I pay on Friday is Mark Smith. I put that in my savings. Then I pay my electric bill and my car bill and my house. <laughs> no, but I pay me first. I walk past that mule deer. Pay them first. Get that out of the way. That's money on the ground in your state for your organization. You get six issues of the beautiful magazine. You get When you sign up here, you get a hat or a, a knife, a buck knife. It's beautiful, man. And what I do, I don't live in mule deer country anymore. I used to, I, When I lived in Colorado, I always volunteered for the booths and stuff for our chapters there in Woodland Park and everything. Uh, but now I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I don't live in mule deer country, and it bothers me. So one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody is I, I throughout the years, I, I'll send someone a gift of the Mule Deer Foundation. I'm gonna, if I'm going to go yeah. buy you a T-shirt and a hat, or I'm going to go buy you a knife for my uncle this or that, I sign all my family members up or friends a year membership and then at this show every year it's fun now uh me and kenny kenny smith did it last year right there at that booth it's awesome as i come out here and i use my instagram live feed and i grab strangers some of them think you're a weirdo <laughs> i and remember like, you doing that and last i was like year, hey yeah. would you like to be a member of the mueller foundation and they're like no 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 i'm like no no i they think i'm trying to get them to come sign up I'm like right. no i'm going to take my wallet and i'm going to get my debit card with my name on it and i'm going to pay for it and, and that's okay because I don't I can't pick up the shovel and the gloves, but I can do something for Mule Deer. And now you're a member; it gives you something. But that's I would rather do that than give the Mule Deer Foundation a hundred dollars donation. I would rather sign up people and get more involved. So people ask Build all the time, purpose. "What are you doing for the sport? How are you growing it, man?" By signing someone up to be in the Mule Deer Foundation, that's supporting the Mule Deer Foundation, and it's growing the sport of hunting, and it's getting the interest to someone that. That, that might be someone that came here because their crazy old uncle's a hunter. They've never hunted before. But I buy them this magazine, or I, I buy them this subscription, and the magazine comes to their home. Maybe there's an article or an ad in there that inspires them to be a hunter. So every little thing you do matters. 
Yeah. That's right. And that's, Absolutely. I feel like I've talked a long time. But <laughs> everything you do matters, and I think. Well, you're giving back. And, and we, I love we that. We talk about that all the time. Give back what you can. Everybody's different. But the fact is you got to give back to sustain what we love. And, you know, your commitment to the Mule Deer Foundation is well appreciated by everyone in this organization, including Jody and I. Absolutely. So, thank, you. thank you, Mark, for giving us time. I know this is busy for all of us, but, yeah. you know, giving us a little bit of your time on the, the floor here at Hunt Expo. And appreciate what you're doing. I look forward to seeing your next article uh, oh. for the next magazine. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. The deadline. Well, it is. The deadline. <laughs> the deadline is actually passed, but yeah. that's okay. I think all of us were a little bit I think focused I on squeeze it organizing. In. I think we'll squeeze it in. And then, and then <laughs> after that, they should be back on time for a while. So. so thank you very much for your time. Thank you for talking Mule Deer with us. This Anytime. is Jody Stemmler. And I'm Steve Belinda. Please heed Mark's advice. Give something back. Get involved with MDF. And thank you for talking Mule Deer. Thank you. Thanks for talking mule deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talking Mule Deer.